0: Quick story, if you like. So, you know, was it Gabs? I was at the Bolter stand. I was ordering something crazy that they made um, and I was wearing a better beer top. And a person came up to me and goes, oh, you mean shitter beer? And I'm like, oh, it goes okay. Like we're selling quite a bit And the consumer. And he goes, what is that all it's about, your sales? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm in business. I think, you know, we're all in business here. It's about the sales. That's how we keep it all going. That's why there's 700 brewers because they're chasing sales.
1: Welcome to Brews News Week, episode 391, recorded on the 19th of October, 2022. I am Matt Kirkegaard, founder and editor of Brews News, and I'm joined by industry consultant Sabrina Kunz and special guest star, Nick Cogger, founder of a number of brands, including a little one that you may have heard of called Better Beer. Welcome for, well, not the first time, Nick, we had you on the Beer as a Conversation podcast recently, but uh, welcome to Brews News Week. Uh, Thanks for having me. And yeah, co-founder of Better Beer. A co- for, sorry. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't. I, when I, I don't look at founder as being an exclusive title. You know, because yeah. you know, I feel the need when we say co-founder to say everybody else. But founders also want to make sure that it doesn't look like they're the ones that are grabbing the limelight. Exactly. Yeah, co-founder. Co-founder. Well, <laughs> welcome,
2: co-founder Nick.
1: Thanks. Nice to be there. Uh, now, we are here to discuss the news generally, but as somebody, and, and uh, funnily enough, it wasn't actually the reason we got you on, but uh, one of our listeners shared a financial review article, comedians to push fastest growing beer in eight years into the UK. Um, so I, I, I couldn't not start by uh, asking you a little bit to, to discuss that, because Bruce News didn't cover it. I didn't see a media release about it, Nick. Um, <laughs> How did the AFR get onto it?
0: Uh, yeah, so I suppose, you know, we know how uh, a lot of journalists work and we they jump on like kind of the sound bits of uh, a conversation. Uh, so yeah, I guess we were just having a chat with um, uh, the AFR and yeah, we mentioned that we're like looking to launch into the UK next year, which sounded like, you know, it sounded pretty good. So I guess the, uh, the journalists sort of delved deeper and um, I sort of got a bit carried away with um, like... <laughs> Uh, launching up there which we are planning to do mind you but um, you know I tried to give the references back to you know how Foster's and some of these great brands were built up in through that market um, you know 20-30 years ago through a similar type um, a character in Paul Hogan um, you know being that Aussie larrikin um, and yeah we sort of think we've been having um, you know inundated with emails inundated with uh, messages just when we are launching into the UK. Uh, so Matt and Jack, inspired unemployed, have a huge following up there.
2: That's what I was um, going to ask about.
0: Yeah, so that's like the you know it kind of gives you that little bit of a free kick into a market. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they have quite a big following up there. Their Spotify podcast is always you know when they do it consistently, it's always up there in that sort of top ten, top twenty in that market. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty exciting that it's, you know, it's something that we want to do. It probably came across as something that we were doing. But when we say we want to do something, we're pretty determined in getting it done.
2: And had you looked at other markets? So had you sort of, in terms of thinking about growth of better beer, had you stepped back and gone, oh, let's evaluate overseas markets and this is how we're going to do it, or it was a little bit of like we're getting requested for this specific market now we've run the numbers, now we think that seems viable because the UK is, um, you know, far away, so we can talk about sort of the how in a minute, but when we talk to a lot of local craft brands, their sort of aspirations are New Zealand or Asia or we'll go to the US, that's a bigger market, but the UK doesn't often sort of hit their top top few. And so is it just that the sort of the inspired unemployed traction yep. gave you the push?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like we were looking for bigger markets, like New Zealand was on the cards pre-launch um, of the brand. We launched officially there on shelf um, the 26th of October. Um, and I think we've picked up maybe 90% distribution points with um, DV as our partner over there. Um, so, yeah, when we do are looking at Better Beer, we do feel like Australia, you know, we have partnered with um, Dan's and BWS for our retail. Um, and I suppose our growth opportunity for Better Beer comes through on-premise, which uh, Mighty Craft are out there building uh, currently. So when we look at like, okay, where to next? And, you know, obviously there's an easier one, which is Asia, but we kind of wanted to go somewhere and be a little bit more disruptive, um, kind of like we are in Australia. So we sort of played with California, um, call that a country, not so much USA, but California. Um, and then we played with the UK. So we had a lot of time back and forth with uh, essentially like myself, Matt and Jack, where where they want to be next year for next summer, for Northern Hemisphere summer. Um, and I wanted to go to the UK. I just felt like Foster's is, you know, there's such a, an Australian story with the UK that, um, you know, there's potential for us to go up there and, you know, do quite well. Um, and yeah, I told the boys that you know we're happy to pay for them to live there for the next for uh, winter uh, next year, so they'll help go up there and build the brand, um, sort of yeah for our winter. So their summer.
2: Cool. That's. I mean, it's interesting because we've seen you know there's only been a few. I can think of one out of NZ. You know we've seen Line close up some of their local crafts that they've purchased, but we haven't seen a sort of an Australian. Icon craft or otherwise really crack it in the UK for
1: a long time. I was actually going to say to that, Sabrina. Yeah, because I guess that's the advantage of the Better Beer brand is that Nick, you've never tied yourself to going. We are, you know, South uh, Coast based brewery, craft brewery. You've always it is the brand and the liquid promise much more so than where a brewery is located. So you're not constrained to export, because you can actually, I would imagine, have a production partner in the UK to, to, to work with when you when, when you do launch. And so you get all the benefits of having a strong brand that could be anywhere else in the world. Whereas Little Creatures, which tried to go national, um, it, they, 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 they didn't have a Paul Hogan character to play to those Australian stereotypes. And Little Creatures wasn't a brand that really resonated anywhere that they, that they, they tried to cultivate it. Correct.
0: And I think, you know, craft brands sort of have struggled to travel. I know Stone and Wood, they go quite well or reasonably well up into the UK. But apart from that, I'm not sure of any other brands. Um, Yeah, we do think that we just we will resonate like, you know, uh, the craft beer industry industry generally is, you know, 90% about craft, 10% about marketing, but better beer, it's, you know, it's bigger than that. It's more about that marketing, um, you know, identifying with a generation of drinkers. Um, And yeah, if we can convert some UK drinkers early days through Inspired Unemployed's um, reach, then, you know, it's then our job to follow on with that with some bigger marketing campaigns, which don't include them, but definitely using them as a Trojan horse into countries seem to be going okay so far.
2: It's really interesting. So um, Matt and I have been talking for a long time about something like New Zealand has done really well brand New Zealand and sort of all of the successful ones like Yeasty Boys is an example that, you know, many years ago went off. But they've got this brand New Zealand. You tie in the NZ hops, you tie in this, and there's this really great story. You can bring the tourism in, which is what we leaned in heavily to as a beer industry. But Australia hasn't got a really nice joined-up story around brand Australia that is... Uh, complete in the sense of like bringing in those raw ingredients, bringing in the tourism side mm. of it, and Foster's is not it. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's yeah. a sort well, of Australia it's doesn't it,
1: own the Foster's brand anymore. I think anymore. Uh, Cub, when it was owned by Southcorp, sold the UK rights uh, to Scottish and Newcastle or something. So Heineken, that, yeah, yeah, for, for I think it was three quarters of a billion dollars, admittedly, but you know, in, for the number one beer brand they shot themselves in the foot because they lost control over the brand values that were sold, which makes it impossible almost to resurrect here because Foster's has been so diminished as a brand because of the way that's been marketed overseas.
2: So this is where I was going to go, which is sort of there's the, it's the Foster's is the outback steakhouse of Mm -hmm. sort of beer, right? Like it is that really hyper um australianized uh stereotypes and so the only thing that i struggle with better beer is sort of um the inspired unemployed resonate with a, a, a particular demographic and and they've got this sort of vibe but then i like try to roll that back in and go how do we when i think of the whole of industry how does that create the wave to for brand australia and i go is there enough how, how can you build that out to those Australian values that are kind of contemporary and all-inclusive yeah. with that brand? And so I sort of wear these two hats or on the one hand, I'm like, great, that sounds really great. On the other hand, is it to Outback Steakhouse?
0: Yeah. No, that's definitely interesting. Um, I haven't given it <laughs> as detailed thought as that. I'm sorry. Um, look, we, we we think if we can get like a little bit of a, a you know a flywheel bit of momentum into the UK, if we can go up there and we can partner with a brewer and someone to distribute with us, if we can get a couple supermarkets or liquor stores and some on premise on our side early days, then you know the risk profile for us is pretty low. We go up there. Um, we make as much noise as we can in that first three months and see see what happens. Um, we're heading up there in a couple of weeks. We're going to do. We've sent some beer up to the UK, um, so we're going to do a little meetup with some you know core fans. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a little bit te- you know test the water. But over the next sort of six months, as we build out a bit of the marketing plan, with we've, we've got a UK based agency. Um, as soon as we start building that out a bit and start talking to you know a few more. Um, call it Consumers and Retailers, will sort of understand that a little bit more. Um, yeah, probably. Cool.
1: Yeah. But it must be fairly liberating as well, because whilst everybody in every media article, except potentially Bruce News, um, references it as the Uninspired Unemployed brand, and, and obviously they're co-founders with you, um, the brand is doesn't rely it's not a monopod it doesn't rely just on them as to to stand on you've got the other elements of the brand so you describe them as a trojan horse going into the uk which clearly means that they'll have less of a presence here but you're not concerned you you, the the brand is strong enough that they don't need to give it their full attention here for it to still do well
0: yeah, so we, we, I mean, we don't want to be just a brand that has, you know, call it Jordan brand shoes or something like that, where it's just all about Michael Jordan. Um, we, we do want to build away from the Inspired Unemployed, but, you know, we did a challenge a couple of weeks ago, um, the squat drop challenge, and it went like properly viral, like more viral than we have had. And it's, it is really hard, but The Inspired Unemployed are kind of like a little heroin hit for you um, every now and then for the brand. Um, you know, our following went up 30,000, um, followers in a week or two, like it was so such a good thing for the business, but the key for us is moving away from that and just using them maybe, you know, two or three times a year for something like that. They can, you know, they have creative control over like content and different p- bits and pieces. So they are still there. Um, but yeah, the less we use them and things in the future is important. Um, you know, we'll go into the UK, we'll do, uh, into New Zealand, we'll do, uh, you know, a couple months heavy with Inspired and Employed. They did a big press junket there last week. Um, and yeah, and the same in the UK, it would be just to use them, get that identity um, and then sort of slowly move away.
2: But it's not really different to small. a lot of small businesses, even small craft breweries, where the brewer is the face of the brand. They're the hero. Mm. They're like, okay, I've been at it for 15 years and I want to pull back. And I'm thinking yep. about a business we know quite well, Matt Kierkegaard, uh, where it's like Matt Kierkegaard is Bruise News. He's got all of these staff. But if you ask people like what is Bruce News, it's yeah. it's, it's in, it's intimate, so it makes it really hard for him to sort of step out of it. It's actually that no that's so true.
1: Again, like not being you false are and the modest, inspired,
2: unemployed, aren't you, Matt?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Me and my three thousand followers.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your TikTok followers.
1: Um, uh, actually, one one question before we get in and talk about uh, other uh, news that's not uh, better beer are you going to be making a push for the hottest 100 this year you did very well last <laughs> year obviously uh yeah is there going to be a focus on you know did you still have a focus on that and is that important to to the brand or is that still very niche um
0: it, it, well i wouldn't say like it's a focus for us like um i don't know what brands would it be a hundred percent focus for the hottest 100 i i love it because i've followed it for so many years and i love being involved in it um so, yeah, we'll be back in it this year. I think you know, I think we spoke um, on Hottest 100. We didn't really push it last year, and I don't think we will probably push it crazy this year either. We'll just sort of see and see what happens. Um, but yeah, we'll be in there. Maybe
1: we can get Matt and Jack on the uh live podcast yeah. this year. Yep, yep, I'll So, Co hosts for, for, for a period, yep. anyway. Um Let's talk about the news that Brews News has actually covered this week. Um, and big news yesterday, as we record this on the uh, Thursday morning, um, Wayward and Batch create local drinks collective. Sydney-based independent breweries Wayward Brewing Company and Batch Brewing Company have today announced the formation of a business, of a partnership business, Local Drinks Collective, designed to leverage the strengths. And I'm quoting from their media release here: um, designed to leverage the strengths of media business of member businesses without the companies needing to merge. The new entity, Local Drinks Collective, PTYLTD, will be co-owned by member breweries and is designed to share common functions such as logistics sales and potentially share production facilities to tackle increasingly diff- the increasingly difficult business environment. Now, I've had a lot of texts and calls. Um, I, I spent a lot of time on the phone trying to get my head around the model yesterday um, and don't know that I did successfully. Um, but I've had a lot of texts from people wanting to... Uh, get their heads around it because I've seen um, Peter and Peter described it to me as being a little bit like Kaneki in the US, which I don't know is strictly true because Kaneki was a group of breweries that was actually purchased by private equity and maintained as separate brands that was then sold to Monster um, for what I believe was a greatly reduced valuation Um, or certainly not a significant um, uh, profit, Um, but I've also heard it as uh, described a little bit uh, like Mighty Craft, where it's uh, bringing the backroom operations together and keeping brands. But again, it doesn't sound like it's exactly that either. The, the, The best way I can understand it is the successful one is the success for all, and the failure of one is the failure of all. And I just can't see how that works. It's, I, I, I honestly don't see, you know, I, I can understand where they can save costs through this, um, potentially. But the idea that, you know, I, I, I just think, um, you know, of, of Nick's example where he's launched Better Beer, it's exploded um, and does really well. Say one of these brands launches a, a Better Beer that actually does get massive growth. That shared... By all of the others, um, regardless of you know, they, they get they hit the jackpot as well. And uh, when I described it to, uh, both Peter and Andrew um, from Batch, um, I said it's a kind of a little bit like the rock band that forms, you know, as teenagers going, you know, we we all want to be stars, and we'll all be in it together. We'll split everything, you know, you know, fifty fifty or you know, twenty five percent each uh, in 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 four but then two or three years in they've got a string of hit records and all of the hits have been written by one of the singers who still only gets the 25 percent um profits and everyone else you know the drummer who just turns up and beats the bongos uh, at concerts <laughs> yeah. sorry drummers um he gets the same 25 percent um you know I, I i like the idea of it um i hope it works for them but i just don't understand what the model is um, and even talking it through with them, there was a whole lot of, and they actually used the phrase, yeah, there's a bit of kumbaya in this. Um, And I, yeah, it's, um, I I don't get it, but I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it because we haven't really discussed it off mic.
0: At face value, it does seem, it it is a little bit like Mighty Craft, um, a little bit reverse. So instead of creating a company and then investing and getting partners, they've kind of got the partners and then they're creating a drinks collective. Um, which will be its own entity. Um, yeah, so I, look, it's new news to pretty much everyone in the industry. I can't see why it shouldn't work. Like in theory, if they can get some, you know, some discounts on kegs or ingredients and maybe spread out their sales team just in Sydney, like it can work. But, you know, there is a complexity involved in getting all those things happening. Yeah. Um,
2: that that's exactly what i said to matt so um my my background from my master's degree was in cooperative organizations and so you know and there are some internationally outside of beer and things that are actually very successful um but this is sort of a collective but not a not a true cooperative in terms of its business structure um uh, and then uh there was a follow-up story last night on The Crafty Pint where Kylie from the IBA is quoted a couple of times talking about how consolidation and working together has been, um, you know, been talked thick and fast in coming coming months. And that conversation has been on the cards for small breweries as long as I've been in the industry, which is only sort of five years. I know that a few years ago in New Zealand when they were talking about hiving off a separate independent brewers' association, it was to actually be like a consolidated buying block for ingredients and so on and so forth. So the conversations have been going on for a really long time. I think you've hit the nail on the head for what Matt is identifying as the problem and seems to be the problem in this is that it's actually really hard to do this well. So the, the benefits that are talked about as a theory are only available in perfect execution and in allocating the resources to that execution and a governance model around multiple brands uh, um joint decision making all of that is really complex um and it does not appear at face value uh, on the press on the the media release and in the conversations that Matt has had that all of those intricacies needed for this to be truly successful from their get-go are in place.
1: Yeah. And and again, we have to be diplomatic because we don't know the full story. We're not um, invited into the tent. But even that, the things that you can define from outside of the tent is they've announced this with only two partners and they're talking about being in advanced negotiations with others so why announce it now? Um, you know, I, I jumped on ASIC and downloaded, got the um, company registration and it was only registered this week. Um, it was registered with Peter um, from Waywood as the only um, shareholder. You know, so it was registered on the 18th of the 10th. So we're only on the 20th of the 10th. So they registered the company, they, announced it the next day. Um, there's only one shareholder batch are on board. They're talking about being in advanced negotiations with others, um, pushing some, asking questions, because I wanted to report on this yesterday in a meaningful way um, and give some facts. So reporting on some of those business requirements, the governance requirements you were talking about and you know the, the, the agreements, to some extent, they're not going to fully share it with me, but it doesn't look like they're fully in place with any of the partners yet either. And it, and even the, the tone of the batch email, um, which was talking about, you know, and I'll quote directly from it: "Simply put, we were losing money and needed to fix it ASAP, but with the belief that normal was coming soon." Uh, so after the dust had settled uh, with the bucket boys acquisition and with normal never returning we started to look inward at the business and what we could do to return to profitability and drive it into the future under hard and crowded market conditions. Um so they were left with two options. The first was to retreat and cut back our investments in wholesale and the sales reps brewers. Um luckily we'd been exploring the second option and sorry the second option was um but with an exciting development occurred, leading us to our second option: co- cooperatively working with other like-minded brewers who have the same expensive and under, underutilized business functions as us. All in all, it doesn't sound like a an aggressive, well thought, you know, well planned execution. It almost sounds like we've got to do something. Let's try this.
0: And I, su- I suppose just you know. I suppose they don't have to disclose how they're doing things behind closed doors. So,
1: except I'm a shareholder of Batch, the, and, oh, okay. and, and again, this was this <laughs> was it. one of my arguments. And you know, yeah. I sort of said, well, you know, I, 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 I spoke to um, uh, Peter about this. I sort of said, oh, I'm surprised that you know I heard about it from a media release. Says my role is a journalist, before you know, even under embargo, at the same time as they were going to announce it. Before, as a shareholder of Batch, I was consulted. Um, and it was the same with when Batch acquired Bucket Boys. And, you know, it was kind of like, well, why would you expect to do that? You've only got a small shareholding. And it was kind of, well, <laughs> because when I bought a shareholding, I was told I was an owner. And, you know, I, I, I haven't Batch, you know, to, to get that update from Batch, um, they haven't yet filed their annual statements, which they're required to. I think they've still got another 10 days to do that. But again, it, it, it highlights, so no, we're not entitled to everything and businesses need the flexibility to operate. But again, you're looking at a business that raised one and a half million dollars from people like me to, um, you know, and on the promise that we were co-owners and yet they're fundamentally changing the business strategy and uh, the owners don't necessarily even get consulted on it.
0: So do you think that this new partnership or this new collective potentially gives you a better financial outcome down the road for batch as it would be as a standalone because oh, I, I wrote about... my, uh, investment
1: like my investment off. My investment was just so I had a you know I could get the reports and stuff like that. So <laughs> my, mine was a donation. But yeah. it was actually that mindset that when you've when you when you raise one and a half million dollars on a you know on a valuation of I think theirs was fourteen million dollars. So I think they you know, it was eight or nine percent of the business. And when I raised that, they said, well, you've got such a small shareholding, you know, the the equity crowdfunders are only 10% of the business. And this is the problem with equity crowdfunding. And I don't want to go down this route. I was just about to say. But (laughs) this is where the valuations matter because they get big dollars on huge valuations and the valuations are only available because they give away such a small share. So... On on any valuation for the batch business, if they tried to sell that business, even when they were equity crowdfunding, they would be flat out getting one to two million dollars for it, um, because it's a 350,000 liter brand in a very small part of Sydney without a without a growth um, model and without a distribution footprint, and so they raised half of that in their equity crowdfunding. So I you know the equity crowdfunding shareholders on any real valuation of that business would have more than 50% of the business.
2: But do you reckon, so to me, like one of the things that I saw this was, I know they've used all the language um, a collective and they've used the language collaboration, but it, you know, um, they're not using the word custodian, which is nice, but um, <laughs> but but I, but it feels a little bit like um, one brewery wanted to help the other brewery, but doesn't have $1.2 million, $3 million to buy out Brewery too. So they're like, well, how do we consolidate usefully? Keep While still getting the,
1: our $350,000 in excise, excise. revenue. So it, 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 it's, it's so whether or not obviously they could just be working merge. through yeah.
2: a, a kind of like a merger um, without sacrificing brand identity and all of those things. And so, you know, I don't. I don't hate the idea. This I just this is see- the
1: fundamental flaw with... So yeah, I, I think you're spot on. They they don't want to merge because they lose too many benefits if they merge, quite apart from whether they can afford to merge. Because if they merge the businesses, they, they lose the, the, the individual excise requirements, which as Peter said, has basically kept them alive um, during COVID. So I understand that. But at the same time, they're talking about the synergies and having a sales force and you know, purchasing decisions. They're, and go back and listen to the grilling I gave Mark Hazeman last year on um, Beer as a Conversation. How do you get meaningful synergies when you're maintaining what the six, seven, eight breweries around the country, all at small scale? And Peter said, well, maybe we can build a bigger brewery. But then Batch Brewery, the brand, in contrast to Better Beer was completely founded on being, their name was Batch because they only wanted to make batches of beer that they wanted. They are inner West Sydney. It is core to their brand. If they build a brand in Dapto, if, if they build a brewery in Dapto or Victoria, they, they their brand equity is gone. They have no brand left Do you think we're
2: just anyway. going to see more of this though? Like I can't, I, I just, I mean, we've been saying for some time, Or maybe they're getting ready for the third party entity to get free money um, because, you know, like, the market is fundamentally shifting at the moment we know economically you know the outlook isn't great in terms of you know broader economic conditions um i would hazard a guess that's why there's we're pushing through so many um as quickly as possible so many equity crowd funds because we want to get those out the door before people have got no free money to give to brands so but the the, the we're seeing in the trademarks more hotels register Hotels register beer names. The market is shifting, and so I just wonder whether this is an attempt at something. Maybe they haven't executed it perfectly from the get go, and there's an opportunity to step back and now get some more advice and execute better.
1: And clearly, they need to do so. Yeah, that's the thing. That clearly, they need to do something, and they're trying something, and they're trying something that hasn't been done and all. And you know, they may be smarter than and know things that I don't know, and and all of that. I guess. The things that I look to are the, you know, those things that I, that, that I can actually identify that I'm not aware because I'm not in the room with them, but I can identify the the, the challenges and these are the questions I asked and the answers I was getting didn't answer my questions. And, and, and one of the core ones is at the moment, um, both Peter and Andrew were talking about COVID, they were talking about interest rates, they were talking about inflation, all of which are very, 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 very true. And they are no doubt putting the pinch on any profit that breweries may have been generating at the moment, but for those things. The thing that none of them are actually addressing and none of them are talking about are the problems that the industry was seeing before COVID came. And that was a lot of breweries with more than 100 in planning in a market that is matured, the overall beer market is shrinking. We're past that craft beer as a revolution mindset. The number of engaged consumers isn't growing anywhere as quickly as the number of breweries who are all coming in. And we saw an equity crowdfunding for uh, Future Magic. You know, talking and their pitch was craft beer is growing at twelve or fifteen percent, and it hasn't done that for five years. So they're so they're all talking about growth in the market that quite apart from the now difficult business conditions, was, wasn't was true two years ago before COVID was even an issue.
2: But can I just, great question, hospital pass over to you, Nick, after that. What I was going to ask was though, um, and this kind of links to the beer as a conversation that was this week, but there are paths for beer brands to grow because clearly Better Beer has found a path, right? You have found a path, but um in 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 your work in your world do you think that there are consumers coming to beer as a product still like including you know because that that is something that the stats are saying you know consumers coming to beer and beer as an adult a sophisticated adult beverage there are more competitors to the beer product but you guys have carved a path through that so there is room for growth
0: yeah, definitely. I definitely think there's room for growth in beer. It's definitely going to be harder for, um, for a lot of brands and most brands to do anything on a national scale. Yeah. Um, you know, you really, you nearly have to partner with a Coles or an EDG or a Metcash to get that scale. Um, so, you know, you, it is going to take a grind of, you know, maybe you win local and then win Victoria and then win Eastern Seaboard and then you can have a path to it. It's definitely getting harder, but, you know, maybe that's just because the next Brand that comes through that does that hasn't been created yet. You know, it might be a year down the track. It might be someone's apprentice and someone's salesperson that form up and create the next, um, the next not so much a better beer, but the next craft beer because, um, yeah, it's definitely getting hard out there. And I go to my local bottle shops and, you know, their best performing brands are the four local breweries in Torquay, you know, and if you have that scattered, all like Torquay, for instance, has four breweries right now.
1: Has anyone ever written an article that has referenced the hops that are in better beer? No. <laughs> Which again, it's no, and there's no criticism of better beer. But yep. the the point that I'm making, and and the, I think the days that there are passionate consumers who want to buy a beer because of the hop selection, there is still a, a subset, and you've got yeah. 600 now breweries plus the brands fighting over that. Maybe eight to ten percent of the market that actually know what mosaic is in a yep. in a beer. Correct. The growth um, and, and you know Peter was talking about you know the, the the combined entity maybe doing an IPO when they get to ten million liters. Now that's five breweries who are hoping you know if they get the five who hope, want to get to ten million liters. I was shown some figures recently that I think there are fewer than ten independent breweries in the country that have volumes anywhere approaching 2 million liters. And there would probably be as many between one and 2 million liters. So there's 20 breweries who are accounting for the vast percentage. And I was reading in uh, that AFR article, Nick, that you guys are already 5 million liters and cruising for 10 this financial year.
0: Yeah, I don't know if cruising is the right word, but we're pushing to get to 10 for <laughs> well, this year.
1: Comparatively, compared back. to <laughs> compared to any other growth in the, uh, in, in, I would, you yeah, know, maybe Great Northern. Yeah. But the brands that have actually exploded or shown genuine growth in the last five years, I would say a Bolter, um, Better Beer, uh, Great Northern continues to grow and its yep. variants, and, um, uh Furphy and Furphy exploded in Victoria out of Geelong into yep. Victoria but has largely failed nationally because and you know again no offence to to Better Beer Nick but you know I I would imagine on the liquid a lot of people not the brand promise or the better for you promise or anything yep. like that but the, the Furphy liquid and the the Better Beer liquid would in a quality sense in a flavor profile sense not be vastly different is that an unfair thing to say i mean you probably um, taste differences
0: oh yeah i think Furfy's a complete different it is that sort of i'll call it an entry-level sort of craft beer okay. um, i think better is probably closer to you know your great northerns and your dry okay. those sort of beers that sort of that is where we're sort of playing um yep we might have that's something something coming out shortly in another oh. category
1: uh, but there's but there's nothing, and I might I'm not going to let you get away with uh, dropping that without uh, exploring <laughs> that further. Um, yeah. Beat the AFR to that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh. But again, you know, so there's just no the, the the idea that a craft brand or a group of craft brands are suddenly going to find 10 million liters, which is the critical mass that they need to do an IPO is defying the gravity that we're seeing around us in the brewing industry.
0: It might be hard but that's, you know, that's the entrepreneurial spirit. That's what, you know, you get into business for, to just go and have a crack. That's what we want to do and that's how we're going to do it. So how are we going yeah. to how are we going to achieve that? So let's go and hit up the big brewers in Victoria, South Australia, WA, something up in NT, Tassie, Queensland. Let's see if we can get close to that, okay? Then let's see what the next step is. And I think that's like the exciting thing for me about this and Minecraft. It's it's about trial um, and it's about just having a crack. And I suppose the benefit for you as a batch shareholder is you also get the shares in that local drinks collective or you get a holding in that. And that'll be the one that goes to the ASX. From what I've read, it's not actually yeah, Wayward. Yeah. And I think Wayward originally said they wanted to go to the ASX, which looks like it's a bit of a change.
1: But again, the only way that that can happen is if the partner breweries roll up as well, because otherwise you're buying a business that doesn't actually own breweries. Because, no, I
0: think. because the
1: businesses own, it, it's the, the, the breweries that own the business that is going to IPO. And it's not the business that owns the breweries.
2: They'll just restructure the company holdings, won't right? so they? Yeah, so
0: it's just indie, the Indie Collective. So that's an yeah. entity owned by call it two parties now. And then when yeah. they go to IPO, wonder, yeah, they'll just know, issue yeah. new stock, and they'll yeah. have sixty percent go to the public market, and then the yeah. the founding parties will still keep it. So you won't actually get a direct the uh, you won't get a direct shareholding in Batch or Wayward through this IPO method. I don't think I could be wrong. But, I'm just reading the, on the, their questionnaire right the now. The
2: thing that will be really interesting, I think, and and again, it just comes down to like it's the execution of it, actually, right. Five two breweries currently five breweries have to agree who the CEO is going to be. You have to agree what your vision and purpose is. You have to agree um, whose to children Matt's are point.
1: going to be uh, put up for adoption. You know right, and...
2: exactly Matt's point around like we can't have eight ales, guys. Like we're going to have to edit our portfolio if we want to have a single set of sales reps. So actually, you know, like it's just collective decision making can be difficult and t- can take a lot longer. And so it's just the execution of that. To your point, it could be really fun. But um, that's a full-time job working on that project, aside from running the businesses that clearly need care and love and attention right now.
1: Let's talk about some other news. And But before we do, Nick, uh, just a quick, uh, this beer that you teased, so you're looking at oh, Great yeah. Northern.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, we won't announce what type of beer it is, but we have a couple of new products coming out next March slash April, um, two new products. So yeah, that's gonna be pretty exciting. Um, yeah,
2: I want you to know I'm, that I just did the trademarks yesterday for Bruce News, and I was actually looking at some of the names of some of those uh, potential <laughs> beers. So I won't say them on oh, here, yeah, that just new, so you yeah, yeah, know yeah. I've seen them.
0: No, that's okay. <laughs> They're not. It's not that secret. I just come on. There's a lot of news at the moment. Not just. I know.
2: Well, this is not it's just so a funny. Better
0: beer NPD launch.
2: No. Well, no, I I'm, said to Matt, it's really funny because these trademark. It's so fascinating because you can yeah. actually watch market trends occurring, and nobody oh, yeah. else pays any attention. And I actually find it one of the most insightful, forward-looking yes. markers of what's about to happen in the market. And so, yeah, um, yeah I yeah. made sure that I double-checked what was on the radar.
0: Yeah, nah, it gives you an indication.
1: Everyone else doesn't, doesn't want it? to upset anybody and wants uh, to be spoon-fed. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, there was other news during the week, including <laughs> last week. Uh, the best independent beers of 2022 were announced. Australia's best independent beer of 2022 has been announced, with Sydney's White Bay Beer Company taking the gong with its German-style pilsner. Um, there we go. I was uh, trend spotting years ago. Yeah, if you're wrong yeah. long enough, sooner or later you're right. Um, although I will say that it's, it's uh, there have been a number of pilsners that have taken out uh, best awards in in yeah. the last uh, year or two. Um, there was a 15% increase in entries over 2021, making it the largest ever Indies, um, and. Again, not blowing my own or not blowing Queensland's trumpet, but once again, Queensland uh, topped the list of class trophies, and that takes out some of the industry awards and other awards with five of the ten trophies, um, including Moffat Beach again uh, winning two of the ten trophies, um, but also continuing its run in the champion brewery trophy that again, I would say in my time is probably unprecedented for one brewery. It's moved from brew pub to small, and I think it was medium with its yeah. new in, 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 in the yeah. Indies. And it, it won at the Royal Queensland one, I think three years in a row, it's one at the Indies and it's one at the AIBA. So I can't think of a brewery um, in the country that has had that level of consistency with Class Trophies and Best Brewery Trophies and, uh, you know, real hats off to them.
0: Yeah, I can't believe it either. I sort of see their name pop up a lot of times in these awards and then to see they win, you know, and dominate again. They're kind of, you know, the black caviar of these awards, the Blind Tasting Awards. Uh, Maybe Grand Ridge back in the day, they had a lot of trophies and medals and things poking around, but maybe maybe not to this level.
1: It um, was a very different market then. That's when <laughs> I think there were 600 uh, people at the AIBAs <laughs> and 95% of them were uh, from Cooper's CUB yeah. and uh, 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 Line, or it was would have been Castlemaine Perkins or you know, the various breweries in those yeah. days. So uh, I think they were the only craft brewery that was entering a lot of the categories.
0: Yeah. And I am excited. I've been hanging to try some of their beer and I just couldn't think of a way to do it. And then I realised that you can just buy stuff on the internet now. So half, <laughs> half, an, hour, half an hour ago I bought a, uh, a mixed gold medal slab and I can't wait to have that. And, yeah, shout out to the White Bay crew. They make amazing beers. They're sunny, pale ale, delicious. Yeah. Um, looking forward to trying the Pilsner. Love a good Pilsner.
2: Well, its I mean, that, that run of trophies, you know, when you talk about who should be te- teaching, how do you create, create consistent quality? Because it's really about the quality beer. You know, you'll get a lot of people saying they make beers, you know, within a particular style, which makes winning these particular styles of competition easier. That, that might be true for one or two, but they're still submitting their core range. They medal year over year in multiple formats. Yep. It means that their quality of production is second to none. Has to be yep. because they they fine. There's no faults in those beers ever when they're being submitted. So I mean, it's it's such a massive, um, massive achievement, and and it would be great to hear. I know everybody's interviewed them, and there's all sorts of lessons learned. But in terms of teaching a masterclass, yep. they could be at the top of the list.
1: Obviously, the big story got the the, the news that probably warranted um, predictable decline in. Endeavour Retail Revenues. Uh, Revenues at Endeavour's group Retail Arm, which consists of bottle shops, BWS and Dan Murphy's, have declined after an elevated performance during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Retail revenues reached 2.5 billion. The decline seems to have been offset by people going back to the bar, going back to the pub, which uh, I I think I saw the head of um, Endeavour describe the pubs as the hedge. Um, you know, so if it's not one, it's the other and, uh, Nick, uh, again, quite a, it's not why we asked you on, but it must've been gratifying in, you know, a juggernaut, um, the size of Endeavor that your humble little brand gets name checked as being a stellar performer for them.
0: Yeah, that was nice. And which I only just found out a short time ago, it wasn't printed, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it is nice to, you know, they mention um, our brand and how well it's sort of going within their network. Um. I do see that their quarter one results are down quite a bit at the moment, which you know has been offset with on premise. Um, but I think you know last year I think in Victoria we were still probably locked down a bit, so it will be interesting to see what they do um, in Q2 and how they finish off H1 as an overall company.
1: I'm just going to say, uh, and it's not directly related to that, except for the uh, elevated um, retail you know, performance. Uh, there was some ABS statistics that came out in the last day or so. Saying that the last two years have also seen significant rises in de- deaths from uh, alcohol, you know, that d- not from car accidents or people having a drink and falling downstairs, but directly from health conditions related to alcohol consumption have grown uh, significantly over the last two years. So, um, you know, I, again, you you can't run away from, you know, even when they are being um, shouted out uh, from the rooftops by the by fair, um, we certainly do need to take note of that, and that you know maybe some of the retail performance wasn't uh, necessarily uh, healthy uh, drinking. And I and actually I suspect one of the points that they made was the delivery, you know, the immediate delivery services um, are being targeted uh, under that model because the argument is that the people who are most likely to use them are the people who are probably drinking the least responsibly. You know, if you need drinks in the next, you know, thirty minutes, um, odds are that you, you've probably already had a few. I'd say. Well, well this that's, was, I mean, that's I, certainly the argument, and you know, it. I don't
2: know if you recall, but when it was all being introduced, there was actually a whole host of, um, you know, legislative things that were going on at the time because they were pr- basically trying to basically put in that sort of extra hour, you can't, uh, like actual the tools that were being used so that you couldn't reorder quickly and it was actually trying to create some of those barriers to access when everybody couldn't leave their homes, right? But I'm sure, mm. you know, if you if you married up the statistics of excess drinking with the statistics of general mental health Incline during that period. And um, I'm sure they would be associated. So you know, it's not just that's actually a great point because they
1: again the way that fair and the the alcohol the anti-alcohol lobby, I should say, pointed is it's always the evil retailers and you know the advertising and things that are driving the consumption um, as opposed to just fighting for a proportion of consumption that already exists, whether they're creating demand or During two years of lockdown, a lot of people were drinking because there wasn't much else that was uh, providing them cheer. And that's, you know, again, I would also point to the figures in Prohibition in America, the deaths from alcohol consumption when alcohol shouldn't have been available were at record levels back then. So people are going to drink. And I'm saying, not saying that we don't be responsible about it, but you know, the, the, this idea that the more you regulate alcohol, the better the performance is going to be. I
2: don't know how we got there from the
1: Endeavour <laughs> Quarterly. Well, it was but, retail. It was a, it was a retail um, story that I threw retail. in. Retail. Um, discussion. It. <laughs> okay. um, but like, if if you're finding maybe your your beers aren't pulling through in the retail, oh, um, you know, thanks. well enough, I would suggest it's maybe you know, you need a better billboard um oh, and if you, you can't afford a billboard on the highway the billboard that sits on that shelf in, in in the bottle shop might be the thing you could look for and if you want a better billboard or you want to change your billboard the people that i would speak to would be Rallings label stickers and packaging beer can labels are a billboard and they the, the label is providing a new voice to the designers and the artists and uh we are going to see some of the results of that tomorrow uh as this podcast comes out when the hottest 100 um, big label designs come out and you're going to see some of the best billboards in the industry. Um, and I wonder how many of them were going to be Rallings. Anyway, Rallings, 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 get your billboard. They can help you. Uh, give them a call on one 852 235 or email sales at Rallings Print. .com.au. And if you'd like a little bit of the rallings effect for yourself, because we've heard a couple of people um, talking about you know, including a couple of our advertisers refer to the rallings effect, which as Sabrina says is a Bruce News effect, get in touch with our sales department via producer at BruiseNews.com.au and you can have a little bit of that magic uh, pixie dust sprinkled on your brand as well. Oh my god, anyway. I love that. Rallings, no, they are good rallings. 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 They are good,
0: they uh, yeah. We had a project for them not long ago. Uh, yeah, they were
1: more than helpful.
2: Oh, that's so funny.
1: And uh, not only, but I also got into the other news. I sort of segued I, nicely I into it. And, uh... Uh,
2: uh, so, Nick, I reorganise everything so everything's nicely ordered. And then Matt is like... Oh, we're talking about
1: this now. We're talking about this, and I'm. I'm a oh yeah, organized. I I, shuff, no, I worked on the show notes today, but the um, it was apropos of nothing. The uh, uh, I have been blindsided a couple of times. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, about not that, blindsided,
0: man. just a uh, different order. <laughs> anyway.
1: Oh, I, well, I, I had put it in the notes. You just saw sort of the older version. Um, anyway, uh, just a couple of other shout-outs. The IBA is calling for nominations for its board of directors, uh, and there's a link in the show notes. Um, it's a LinkedIn uh, and I think we've also shared it on our Facebook page so you can see it. If you are in a member of the IBA, don't bitch in the bar at 10 o'clock at night about what the IBA is doing wrong, get involved. Um, and if you're not a member, get involved um, and then join the nominate to be on the board of directors. Um, also, um, thanks to HPA and with support from Bespoke Brewing, um, sellers of some fine stainless steel, I'm off to Seabrew next week, and we'll be in Bangkok uh, attending that conference and reporting back on it. So if you are an Australian, or we do have, I I think, um, some of our top five destinations are Vietnam and Japan. Sabrina? That's right, So hello, shout out to all of our Asian listeners. Um, If you're going to Seabrew, drop us an email, uh, matt at brewsnews.com.au, let us know you're gonna be there. We'd love to join you for a beer. Um, but if you're an advertiser or an exhibitor um, launching an interesting product, let us know so we can uh, cover it while we're there. Um, here is a conversation. Dale Vacali and Adam Murphy talking about Jaraboy. There was an interesting chat. A couple of people were dismissive of a contract brand. We spoke to them for a very, very good reason. Um, it, it, it touched on a lot of very interesting points about the industry at the moment. And uh, yeah, I, I stand by You know, contract brands, do you know have a lot of merit in the marketplace and uh this was one that particularly had some uh you know strengths to the brand
2: so for me the big thing about this was you know something that um really showcasing indigenous excellence is the core of this brand clearly it's come from and that is something that um you know we know that sober have been talking about for a long time but trying to highlight indigenous Uh, brewers, uh, showcase the positive aspects of the relationship between, um, you know, alcohol and um, Indigenous uh, consumers or, or people that work in our industry. And that was all covered off in this in a very thoughtful way and I really appreciated it because for me it's where do you go to find information about this and how to do it well and how do we showcase it and how do we as an industry be more inclusive and do better, and I, know I thought the chat about that was really insightful for me. Anyway,
0: yep, no, I did enjoy it too. Um, yeah, some of the indigenous products that are coming out, like we uh, inside Mitacraft, we've got some uh, bush apple gins and um, some green ant gins and different products that are really delicious through Seven Seasons. Um, yeah, I can't wait to
1: taste these guys' beer.
2: That, that's so cool and it's great you know like it was all about supply chains and you know it's really complex and interesting so
1: And again as we we're talking about with all of the things, where is growth going to come from? It's a brand as I said um, in in the Facebook group um, when I, I think it was the, the, the Bruise News group in the comment you know the argument that the liquid is what's going to win over consumers when you've got 20 or 30 nearly identical, um, mm. brands in the marketplace and again like Nick <laughs> not not wanting to single out better beer but it is one of the biggest launches in the last few years. you certainly can't fault the liquid but the liquid targets a market but then it's the brand and the things that gets it into people's hand I, I, I would imagine that you, you'd yep. agree
0: yeah so I definitely like you know we're targeting a market of 92 percent of all beer drinkers. You know, it's, it's, we're not going for like a narrow, call it the craft beer section that's, you know, has, you know, what is it, 8% market share or something like that with, you know, 600 or 700 brewers. Um, what did I send through to you, Matt, not long ago? I think there's more McDonald more brewers than McDonald's. Oh, or, right, yeah. yeah. In Australia, which is pretty incredible. But yeah, I do think so. Like I'm just on their website now. Like it looks cool. Yeah. I'm definitely, you know, one of their first purchases when, when it's ready, if it's ready, might be.
1: Speaking of the rallying's effect, our uh, journalist uh, Vivian Topalovich was down at the Homebrew Conference last week and uh, caught up with Derek from Bluestone Yeast, who said that he'd had some great um, comments about the Brewery of the Week segment that... we, we, we do. So he he was one of the people who referenced the Rallings Effect. We might have to call it the uh, Bluestone Yeast Effect to share the love.
2: It's the Brews uh, News Effect, It's guys. the Brews News Effect. <laughs> Get it <is>. on brand. <laughs> um,
1: but they do bring the Brewery of the Week. Uh, so Bluestone Yeast uh, are great supporters. And Bluestone Yeast ships uh, all over the country and uses sustainable and environmentally friendly packaging. Uh, that keeps the yeast cold for up to five days. If you want to find out more about the uh, Planet Protector packaging, you can uh, find a link in the show notes. But you can reach out to Bluestone Yeast to find out about their yeast and how they can help your business uh, at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au, link in the show notes, or call Derek for a chat about all things Brew's News Effect on 03 8518 3172. And while you're doing that, talk to him about yeast as well. Um, now, Nick, have you been to any? Um... Oh, this would be right up
0: your alley. Um, yeah, so mismatch and Jetty, Jetty Road. Um Being yeah. now, nah, I'm being cliche there. Obviously, <laughs> I do love those brands inside our this, um, <laughs> our little the family. Mighty draft brands. Yeah. Although um, are... Jenny Road, a... Jenny Road has an 8.8% um, double dry hopped IPA, Infinite Eight, and it is for me amazing. And I'm not just saying that. Um, so yeah, I'll give those guys a shout out, and then I'll do a little bit of a. You know, things that I like down this way, followed by my, you know, a cool new little brewery sure. that's set up. Um, so always for, you know, the last 10 years, I'll have a long Ren down at Blackman's or Ren and Jess down at Blackman's Brewery in Torquay. Yeah. Just always dominating. You know, they make some of the best beers in Australia, excluding their Strata uh, or Needs More uh, Strata IPA, which is a hop that I can't do. It's kind of like a coriander effect, which Ren knows about. Um so, I love them. Luke Scott, he's up at uh, Southwest, so formerly of Otway, I believe. Um, yep. He's got a keg only hazy IPA, which I think is probably the best one I've had, you know, maybe because it's super fresh, but it is delicious. So, give him a little shout out. And then uh, some friends of mine just over in the Ballerine have just set up a new brewery um, and they're expanding. They're putting a little pub in, um, and that's Brian and Tom Andrews. They've just set up uh, Bar and Heads Brewing, um, cool label. So it's, uh, you know, really approachable beers. They do a few of the crazy things, as you'd expect, but, yeah, really approachable. They've got a mid-strength, a pale ale, um, and, yeah, they're getting a lot of support down that way.
2: And what's your favourite brewery to go, like,
1: sit at? And... Yeah, so having name-checked uh, a couple and uh, sort of played a, a broad field, <laughs> is there one that you want sort of name as the Brewery of the Week?
0: Uh, the, well, the, the Brewery of the Week for me is the Barwinheads Heads Brewing.
1: Right.
2: Oh, Cool.
0: Yeah, I think that, yeah, just starting out, um, yeah, definitely, definitely one to check out if you're on the Ballerine.
1: Excellent. I, I definitely need to get down. I haven't been yeah. regional uh, in Victoria for, for quite some time, so I definitely want to uh, head down and do that. Well, shout out when you're down and we'll do a little tour. Barwon Heads, we'll put a link in the show notes, and uh, we, we thank Bluestone Yeast for their support in uh, the Brewery of the Week, um, which is now going to be weekly. So it's, got, it's not Brewery of the Fortnight anymore, it's Brewery of the Week. Um, anything else grabbed your attention, Nick? As our uh, special guest host?
0: No, that has been uh, a good first episode for me. I'm happy with that one. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was it was very interesting, like you know a deep, pretty much a deep dive onto a new business model, essentially yeah. that we haven't seen in Australia. Um, it'd be good unpacking that over you know the coming months, and yeah. it gives you guys and us as an industry something to talk about and look and you know, who's going to be the Victorian partner, who's going to be the Queensland partner. I think they're all exciting. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, look, thank you. And and both of you have been uh, very supportive and I don't mean to be the cranky uh, guy, but in this industry no one wants to risk offending anybody and they don't ask questions that by their very nature do and uh you know like I, I get a flood of texts when i ask um you know when i get mighty craft on um and we ask them the hard questions um because people you know again i'm sort of just saying this for nick's benefit because you know like yeah. i will ask the questions because we get a lot of media releases um was you know, i that text deserve... did
0: i text you well you, well, you, well, you <laughs> did but,
1: yeah but, not, but that's not, okay, we talk. Not not telling me how awesome uh, it, it was. You were sort of uh, uh, you know, telling me maybe to be... But you get a lot maybe
2: of text, be Matt, about any article that we put yeah. out, any media release that goes out. Lots of people contact you with a range of opinions, um, many of which are off the record. And so in your mind... And they're off stored... the record because
1: people have commercial interests they don't want to jeopardise. Right, and... but in
2: your mind is stored all of this knowledge about lots of different viewpoints, and that gets channeled into the way in which you undertake your task on behalf of the whole of the industry, including all those viewpoints.
1: And ultimately, when people are selling a vision for something, there's a reason that they're selling the vision for it. And, you know, I there's not a lot of information out there for people to balance that with. And uh, judging by the number of emails, so anyway, so there's no malice, and it's you know I hope I genuinely hope it works out, and that any doubts I've expressed are wrong, um, and I don't want to be talking them down. Um, but yeah, so anyway, it was, it was it was an interesting chat, and good luck to both breweries, who are tremendous breweries and deserve to do well. Anyway, on that note, that wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been me, Matt Kirkegaard, Sabrina Kunz, and Nick Koga. The show is produced by Vivian Topalovic and edited by Joe Helder. We thank Mintani, Rawlings, label stickers and packaging, and Bluestone Yeast for their support in making this episode possible. Thank you all for listening. Share your thoughts on the show by emailing producer at uh, bruisenews.com.au or leaving a review on your favourite podcasting service or even weighing in in the discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Radio Bruise News. Nick, I believe you're a member of that. Are you a member of the Radio Bruise News?
0: Um, I don't use Facebook as much as I used to, but I will be within the next 10 minutes. Uh, you, <laughs> you don't have.
1: To, it, I it actually don't want to. I
0: don't want to be on there because I don't want to see people talking about me as well. So I'll sort of uh, keep uh,
1: my distance from yeah. there, and you can just feed it through. <laughs> just, I don't want we, We've got a minute. Uh, yeah. Is it hard when you sort of see some of the craft beer people so dismissive of a, a product that you're uh, so passionate about?
0: Not really. I mean, you know, a quick story, if you like. So you know, well, was it Gabs? I was at the Bolter stand. I was ordering something crazy that they made um and i was wearing a better beer top and a person came up to me and goes oh you mean shitter beer and i'm like oh it goes okay like we're selling quite a bit in the consumer and he goes what is that all it's about your sales and i'm like "Yeah, i'm in business i think you know we're all in business here it's about the sales that's how we keep it all going that's why there's 700 brewers because they're chasing sales um so anyway it worked out that he worked at a brewery and you know, I won't say where it is or anything like that. He worked at a brewery and he was sort of really anti um, Better Beer. But I thought I'd just make it my little mission to see if there was an inkling to do a collab with Better Beer. And that inkling was right. (laughs) It was more just to say, hey, how easy is it to jump the ship when there's a bigger opportunity?
2: Yeah, Yeah. every time.
1: And uh, I'd like to hear some of the breweries, their equity crowdfunding saying it's not just about sales. Anyway. (laughs) Thank you all, and on that, we're out.